That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the 2023 college football season. You are listening to Wannabe Walk-Ons, a Nebraska football and craft beer podcast, the official podcast of the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild and a proud member of the Herd at Sports Network. I'm Drew and I am joined as always by my good friend and co-host Ben. Thanks Drew and thank you all for listening. For those new to the show, each episode, Drew and I will sample craft beer, mostly local, some beyond, while sharing our unique brand of Husker Insight. We encourage you to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or X at Wannabe Walk-Ons for the most up-to-date show information. And please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform, or listen to each episode on wannabewalkons.com. On this week's episode, Ben and I will return to our friends at 505 in Fremont, Nebraska, while we recap the Illinois game. I'm Drew. And I'm Ben. And this is Wannabe Walk-Ons. It's a pretty good day to be recording if you're a Husker fan after this weekend. Yes. It's a pretty good day to be recording if you're a Philadelphia Phillies fan, which I happen to be sitting across someone uh, who is both. Not only do you get the Huskers football win, you Uh get a weekend volleyball sweep in the state of Michigan. And you got Phillies that moved on to the next round of the playoffs. I got three playoff wins in one week. And And my Bears won. On Thursday night. Yeah. So I'm on a heater right now. I got feeling pretty good. A lot of good things going for me. And I don't think I'll ever lose again. So I can't (laughs) even, I don't even remember what it feels like to be sad. You don't? Nope. Well, that's good. (laughs) That is good. This is, this is like the, the, the depression version of an aphrodisiac, (laughs) whatever that is, which might also be an aphrodisiac too. I don't know. So, so here, here is our new segment called Drew's Baseball Corner. Yeah, it's the hot corner with Drew. I love it. (laughs) You do sit kind of in the corner of the couch. You got the chaise lounge portion, um, which you are curled up with, uh, with a glass of rosé, oddly enough. Mm -hmm. And who brought this fireplace into my house? (laughs) (laughs) No. So tell us about baseball this week, man. Tell us. Tell us what's going on with the Phillies. Why this feels kind of unprecedented for their win against the Braves. All of it. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, they, they swept the Marlins in the, the wild card series uh, and looked really good doing it. They're just, they're on a mission. They're marching through, um, now squaring off with the division rival and the Braves, who are uh, an historically good team. Um, offensively, they're they're considered maybe the best team ever to, to take the field, right? Um, 
and they shut them out in game one at home. Um, first time in over a year that the Braves have had that happen to them. They, they took down their top top ace. Um, and they're just fun as fuck to watch, dude. Like, if you, I don't know, if you just enjoy fun teams having fun and winning, like, that's what they are. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't I it's just, yeah. And, I, and getting to enjoy it with, like, my son, uh, who's gotten into... Um, watching sports in general, um, but especially with baseball. He, he likes teams that win, and so he really likes the Phillies right now. Um, it, it, it makes the experience all the better. So yeah. There's, there's got to be some some term for like a Munchausen by proxy thing for forcing your kid onto a certain fandom. <laughs> yeah. You know, like you, you I know that, that your son's a fan of Nebraska football. He likes to watch Nebraska football, but like in his lifetime, there hasn't been a lot of great Nebraska football being played. Correct. So there's there's some sort of some level of um um I don't know hostage situation going on <laughs> there where right. where he's kind of forced into this fandom. I know he he roots for other teams too. He takes active interest in, in other college football teams on occasion. Yeah, he he likes to watch sports in general and he just yeah, yeah he has he has certain teams that he'll he'll follow that either he likes them or he doesn't. He's divided. Um and so and he's consistent too. Like if if yeah. he's got some rando team that he had chose like three years ago. If they pop up again, he's cheering for them again. Um, and with with Nebraska, yeah, his outlook on them is so like pessimistic, but he loves them. Yeah, kind of like he is like, well, we're probably gonna lose, you know, like, but I'm gonna watch them anyway, you know. Yeah, yeah I can't miss the game, um, even though we're gonna lose. Uh, and yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I was raised in a completely different time. You and I both were. We were I, when I was his age, we were winning our third national title in four years. Yeah. You know, and so very, very different um, experiences growing up with Nebraska. Yeah, it's funny. You know, I, I remember vividly like watching games with my dad where Nebraska handily wins. And then I'd be like, oh, why aren't you happy? And he's like, I didn't like the way they won because, you know, this was, wasn't was looking good. This wasn't looking that great. I didn't think our offensive line was playing all that hot. and. You know, the defense gave up more points than I want. They gave up like nine points. It's like, man, that defense <laughs> yeah. was a little loose today. And you're like, I don't get it. Like the team won. Yeah. And then now we've been in this drought and a similar kind of narrative is coming across after a win against Illinois mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, but I don't like how they won. And I'm I'm just sitting there going, but we won. We won. You know? Yeah. There's, there's no pictures on the scorecard, as yeah. they say in golf. I mean, you watched the entire game, but. Yeah, we'll yeah. talk about how we, how we feel about. I that, bet you and I have that W. I bet you and I have different feelings on that. Probably. Yeah. Um, but I mine are also probably bending towards yours as time. Oh, I'm gonna as I'm time. gonna break them towards <laughs> mine by the end of this. I have a whole like dissertation on how, how I knew you were gonna come into this yeah. conversation. And if you if you could just have audio of me watching that game, you would, would think that I was the most miserable, sad sack of shit fan. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Was like, it just four hours of? <sighs> it felt. Yeah. It was. Come on. No. Yes. Yeah. It was very quiet and reserved um, commentary. Well, you you <laughs> got to kind of experience this this little Phillies run, and I hope that continues for you with your son. Thank you. Um, my my seven year old. I told him he could stay up as late as he wanted to on Friday night, as long as he was watching the football game with me. Yeah. That was his rule, and he was taking advantage of it. And uh, we got to watch the game and he was asked, he finally started asking questions about football, which was really fun. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, he shares a name with a predominant football player at Nebraska, uh, John. And so he's very excited to see Bullock get a sack. 
Nice. Then I explained to him his brother also plays on the team, and Alex Bullock had a good game uh, at wide receiver. And he's like, wow, Dad, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with me about football. I'm going to be an expert like you. And I go, I'm not an expert at all in the slightest. And he goes, but you have a podcast. Yeah, and let said, him hold on to that. How dare you say it like that? Though. I mean, he was like, but, but you have a podcast. I go, buddy, if you knew... How yeah. many people did? That's all right. It's yeah. a compliment coming from him. Yeah, it was. It yeah. was very sweet. It was a very fun time. So I'm glad that we both got to share kind of that kind of experience with our with our kiddos watching oh, sports. It and makes it makes all the difference. And I and uh, one thing that happened. And my son listens to this. My wife makes him listen to it. They enjoy it. I don't Again, know why. I think yeah. you're <laughs> Huskhausen by proxy is like yeah. what your poor son is going through. He um, Bryson Stott hit a grand slam. And yeah. you and I, we, we've talked about it and shared like the video of, of it. Cause it's an incredible, like the video of just, just the, the, you know, the lead up, the build up to the, the plate appearance, the grand slam and everything that followed without the commentary is it's so, it's so like just chilling in a, such the, the best, most beautiful way. Um, and it's what makes playoff baseball so awesome. It's just, there's just this other level to it. Um, but we were, so we were watching this game. Uh, my son and I we were on opposite couches in the living room, and and uh, you know bases are loaded, and and stock comes up to the plate, and my son looks over at me, and he goes, he goes, this dude's gonna hit a grand slam, and sure as shit, like in the first, and and I know he probably he's probably predicted a home run on like ninety percent of plate appearances, yeah, <laughs> but he called that one, and then and and Bryson Stott hit it, and um and he I mean he went we we the whole house went nuts, but he was. He could not have been more proud of himself <laughs> for calling that shot. You know what? And that's how I, but that's how I became a fan of the Phillies a long, long time ago when they made their um, 2008 World Series run. I was just a fan of baseball. I, I didn't really, I didn't have a team at all that I cared about. And I was watching a Phillies game, and I and uh, Chase Utley was stepped up to the plate against the Dodgers, and I just wanted a competitive game. And I said, just hit a home run, dude. Just hit a home run. And he hit a home run. And I've loved them ever since because if any team will listen to you. Uh, when you tell them to do something good, I you know they'll never let you down. Yeah, so. just hit a home, just do it, just, just do get it. there and hit a home. Just run. do that one thing. It's and like then, in in the Disney Channel original movie Brink when Brink's <laughs> when Brink's sister just says skate better, and then yeah. Brink goes skate better, skate better. I think I've quoted that on this podcast <laughs> more than once. It but, might have been the same conversation, but it's such a beautiful. Yeah, just just do do it better. Yeah, that's all you got to do. That I want to I want to talk about that video before before we move into what we're drinking today because that video you know they they record these games in 5.1 like Dolby surround sound for these archives and the NFL does it the NBA does it we've got we've got the most advanced camera lenses and capturing of the stadium and stuff like that and we ruin it with announcers like we really do <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean like yeah. if you took if you took the raw footage that is being captured all around the f- the field by um, the 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 MLB and the Phillies organization and the broadcast and all of that, and then you just give fans just that audio. I would pay a subscription to be able to watch sports like that. Oh, hundred percent! It's to immersive just, to just yeah, because you've got these the the depth of field when you've got just the player in focus and your field level with them, and then the 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 stadium is like blurred out behind them, but you hear them the okay. And like everyone is just like, and then the crack of the bat and then the rush of the, of the fans when they know it's gone, like that experience, if I could watch a Husker game like that, I would, I would, I would fund 
fucking Memorial Stadium's <laughs> renovations. And I bet I wouldn't be the only one who would be like, give me that. Yeah. I don't even need, I don't need to sync up Husker sports radio. I don't need Gus Johnson ever again. Uh, not that I needed him before. <laughs> but I, I, I would just sit and watch that. Yeah. There is something that it, it really does like put you, it puts you like in, in the stadium, like you're there, it puts you in the moment, but it also captures it in such a unique way. Yeah. Um, that somehow, yeah, it, it captures the emotion um, in a way that, yeah, you can't have when you've got like two dudes just sitting around talking like we are right now. Right. Um, I, I, I rewatched the Nebraska, Illinois game this morning and, uh, and just on, on my phone, on my headphones. And um, you could actually, they picked up a ton. Harburg was a loud. A ton of, of noise on the field, which was a lot of fun to listen to, listening to him direct, you know, Kemp before a nice little touchdown down in the red zone. Um, you know, you know, telling his line what to do, square up, square up, you know, to the tackles, things like that. There was some other, <laughs> some other chatter it, it picked up that you realize like, oh, that's why they don't, that's why they don't broadcast this on live yeah, TV. Sure. But but listening for that stuff is it it's just a more fun experience i, I agree i think we're i think we're getting into um th- this kind of media um kind of consumption as a culture where we we're we're going to see more of that like you've got you've got guys like the kelsey brothers who do the new heights podcast you've got you know busting with the boys you've got a lot of these sports figures now who are weekly recording these podcasts reacting to what was going on in the field and people are just devouring it because it creates a more human connection and it gets them like more entwined with with their teams and i think that you know uh, nfl owners uh, benefit from those podcasts because now i'm even more invested on a personal level with the people that i'm watching on sundays i get to engage with them throughout the week and it benefits the players as well, getting to own their image and own their story that I feel like, yeah, you know, there's there's some obscene things that sometimes get said on the field. There's a lot of trash talking. Uh, there's there's a lot of stuff that is not uh, appropriate for maybe my seven year old and my four year old to be watching. But me as an adult, if I could watch games like that and I had to pay and, and I had to you know kind of understand that this might be a TVMA or a TV 14 right. just because of this game broadcast. Like I'm in, I'm in a hundred percent on that. Oh, absolutely. Because it just, it just, it humanizes these people who do inhuman things like who do. And I don't, I don't hope that's not misinterpreted as inhumane. Like these are, these are inhuman things. These are things that I can never do (laughs) and never will be able to physically. And so like I get to um, just be amazed at their ability, but I also get to see the human side of them. And like that kind of engagement I think is, is unreal. And Nebraska's media does an incredible job with that already. Yeah, they're yeah they tear it down on social media. They tear down that wall between the fan and the and the players and the player experience and um and they're they are phenomenal. And I keep thinking, maybe this is mean, but like I keep thinking, like man, like once the product on the field matches the level oh. of what they can do with the with their video production um, and promotion, uh, it'll it'll just be that much better. Um, but yeah, yeah. Commentators have always been they're news broadcasters, right? Like they're just they're describing things to you and like providing a little extra uh, context for what you're watching. But it holds you at such an arm's length from what you're watching. And um, I think you made a good point about hu- the the human humanizing of of um, these players and just feeling that much closer. And it it does change. Um, I think it I think it, it heightens appreciation for them not just as athletes but as people 
And I think that's important yeah. for for a sport that is as violent as this and um, going forward and preserving uh, pre- preserving the sport itself and, and, and maintaining that popularity. Well, I want to I want to give 100 percent credit to to your Phillies for providing that kind of footage uh, and that moment and everything like that. I mean, again, it's no secret that uh, that I'm not the biggest baseball fan, but even that moment got me emotional because, again, it humanized the moment. Mm hmm. Uh, it, not just for the players, but the people there, you know, I would be in the stands singing along to the song they were singing along to. I would be reacting to the crack of the bat and I don't have, you know, Joe Buck screaming over it. I don't have, <laughs> you know, I don't have that. And so I just get to enjoy the moment as it is and not be worried about, well, what did that guy say? Is that something that I have to agree with or disagree with? It's, it's just the moment and it's the sport. Yeah. So that's baseball corner, man. Oh yeah. Yeah. We were talking about baseball. That was, yeah. Yeah. You did it. What a great segment. <laughs> I hope that it continues uh, along with my Phillies. Yeah, I mean, it's my least favorite segment, <laughs> but, but I'm glad we did it. You got a Brink reference in there. I think you're okay. Yeah. Well, buckle up because it ain't the only one. Um, I've got so many Brink references <laughs> loaded in the chamber. What do you got for Alley Cat Strike? Oh, man. So Alley Cat Strike. <laughs> no, no, no. So that had the kid from Famous Jet Jackson as, as the cool kid who comes in and he's like... Uh, uh, I could bowl a perfect game. I could bowl a hundred and then all the alley cats laugh at him because, uh, you know, obviously a perfect game and bowling is 300, but he thinks, oh, you get 10 strikes in a row and it's a hundred points and that's a perfect game. Um, so there was that funny moment in that movie. And then I also, <laughs> you remember how that movie ends? Like they have I've never seen this movie. You've never seen alley cat strike. No. Well, I'm impressed that you pull it out of your back. I'm pocket. amazed that I knew the, the name. Yeah, me too. Yeah. If you've never seen it. So the way that it ends is that, you know, they're a high school bowling team and, and, uh, there's a kid who's seen as kind of like a, a, a losery nerd and his family owns a bowling alley. And so he's on the team. And then this, uh, I think that it's either the, the kid from famous jet Jackson, he's either the basketball star or the football star and he gets injured. So he can't compete. And for some reason he has to join the bowling team. And at the very end, they need to pick up this seven ten split. And instead of him going for it and trying to be the hero, he actually hands it off to the team's first alternative who lost their spot because he joined the team. And she does this weird thing where she sets the bowling ball just just in front of the foul line before crossing it, sticks her finger in the thumb hole and starts to spin the ball like a globe and just spins it and spins it and spins it and then pushes the ball ever so gently. And it just goes down the lane as slow as humanly possible. And then it hits the seven pin, spins because the ball had so much rotation on it and uh-huh. just barely nicks the 10 pin and they get the spare. And that's how the Alley Cats win uh, like the high school championship uh, of sorts has anybody ever dissected the physics on whether that's even possible I th- that sounds like just like they're like how can we make this moment as like prolonged and, and intense as possible every time i go bowling i would be <laughs> lying to you if i didn't think i wonder if i could pick up a 710 doing the alley cat strike spin yeah so um i don't know if like Mythbusters. i don't think took the time <laughs> they um, probably they're like no and i don't think pete weber really gives two shits yeah. if alley cat strike is accurate <laughs> Um, but, uh, but yeah. All right. So that's Alley Cat Strike. Cool. Thanks Name another the, one. No. <laughs> that might be it. No, that, I was a huge fan of, of Disney Channel original movies. Yeah. Obviously, if I'm able to re- <laughs> recount Alley Cat Strike to you, but, uh, yeah. All right. I that think, was Ben's Disney movie <laughs> corner. I thought <laughs> a, a potential another podcast would be to like dissect Disney Channel original movies. Yeah. There's already like 17 of them. There's <laughs> there's there? more of those than there are Husker podcasts. I, yeah. Yeah. So. I could see that. 
Um, but that. we would do it with Nebraska craft breweries. <laughs> so, Drew, speaking uh, of craft breweries, why don't you tell us uh, what you brought to, brought for us to sample today? Yeah, um, I brought Ackerland Oktoberfest uh, by 505 Brewing out in Fremont. Um, frequent listeners of the show probably remember 505. We did an interview with uh, brewmaster and owner Sean Morrow back in May of this year in our um, off-season uh Bonus in conversation episodes with some uh, Nebraska breweries. Uh, yesterday, my wife and I we, we made the the jaunt out to to Fremont. They did their inaugural um, Oktoberfest, and so we decided to hit it up. They um, they featured a lot of their own uh, five hundred five beers on tap, but then they also had some other Nebraska breweries. They had Sarah Cider on tap as well. Um, that they were uh, uh, you know allowing patrons to enjoy, um, which which shows you just how wonderful and supportive the Nebraska craft brewery uh, community is. Um, but it was a great time. They, they blocked off a, a little portion of the, the um, downtown for um, outdoor seating games, events, contests. They had music going, um, really great food, and then obviously a ton of beer. So um, we really enjoyed ourselves and, and uh, yeah, just had a fun time. So hoping they're going to you know make it an annual thing. And uh, try to make it out there every year. Yeah, the lineup that you you sent me as to who was there is a great lineup. Um, you got to enjoy some sorrow cider, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mel Mel got that one. Um, it was the spiced apple cider, and so um, I tried it. I am a I am a sorrow cider fan. Um, it was it was delightfully spiced. I mean, it was like it was like drinking an apple cider that had you know you had the fresh cinnamon stick in there, and Ooh, and nice. oh yeah, it was it was really good. Um, Jukes. Aleworks had a, a beer on tap there. Bearded Brewer, Zipline, Heavy, um, out in Gretna, Gretna Divots. Um, That's a so great lineup. A really, yeah, it, it was a really great lineup. I got to imagine they had a nice turnout too, the way that, that 505 implants themselves in the community, not not just the beer community, but Fremont's community. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. And you could tell, and they were asking you know, where, where people were from and um, and all that, so they know. I mean, they know that their, their customer base is, um, extends well beyond just, just Fremont and the local area, so... Um, but they did have a really nice turnout and, and we went, we went earlier in the day, um, because again, Phillies were playing that night. And so, um, I'd make sure to get back before then, but, um, yeah, the, the crowd was really filling out, um, by the time we took off and That's so, great. yeah, they, yeah, they, they knocked it out of the park. It was a really great time. And, and again, we'll be back next year. So that's awesome. Yeah. Well, this beer is fantastic that you brought back, uh, this Oktoberfest. I'm, I'm not super well-versed. In Oktoberfests. Do you want me to tell you a little bit about? I would love to. Okay. Um, so, so Fest beer um, is the the style of beer. Um, it's the only style that's poured at, at Oktoberfest in Germany, um, but it's not the traditional uh, Oktoberfest beer. So um, originally Oktoberfest started in 1810. It featured a Martzen style beer, which is um, a lot darker and a heavier lager. Uh, Fest beer came around in the 1970s. There was a brewery that that said, "Hey, maybe we could go a little bit lighter." Um, <laughs> hey, fucking stuff chill. That, yeah. <laughs> they wanted people to be able. They were like, people are drinking a lot. We want them to be able to drink a lot and not get so full. Yeah. Um, and so they came out with the Fest beer style in the 70s, and then since the 90s, it is the only style of beer that's poured at Oktoberfest by the six breweries that that uh, pour there. So um, it's a it's a multi toasty um very clean 
beer. It's got a little bit of maybe some some doughy flavors and aroma. It's supposed to be very balanced and crisp. It's got a little bit of a creamier mouthfeel. Um, tetaning, I think it's, well, there's like German noble hops that, that you usually get in there. Um, but not, it's not too hoppy or hop forward. You might get a little bit of like spiced or floral notes from it, but, um, just a good, clean, balanced, drinkable beer. Perfect for a festival. Yeah. I mean, you just described this beer to a T, right? There's, there's a little bit of bitterness that's incredibly well managed by this multi backbone, but it's not heavy. I was expecting a little bit heavier of a beer, that that Merzen style uh, mm-hmm. beer, and this is so crisp and refreshing, but still giving me a very flavorful experience. So, I mean, yeah, five hundred five nailed it. If that's what they're supposed to be going for with that fest beer, that's what it is. You yeah, know, it's so that's it's great. It's yeah, delicious. No, I love this one, and and um, I got it there, and I had I knew I had to bring some home and some to share with you. So yeah, um, yeah, it's a wonderful beer, and and. Again, just a fun festival. Um, I would highly encourage people to, to check it out next time it comes around. And you had to have had perfect weather for it, too. Um, it was, yeah, it was just absolutely a little chill, sweatshirt gorgeous. weather. Yeah. Like yeah, just the perfect kind of jacket. Like, like I am now, shorts in a sweatshirt. Nice. Like, you know, like great, great fall weather. Um, yeah, it was beautiful. Oh, man. Well, I'm glad that you made the trek out there. Anyone who has the opportunity to go to Fremont, there's some cool restaurants, too, that are on that main street next to. Uh, the brewery, the brewery has board games as well. They've got a massive TV. It's a place you can watch a, a game, have great food, uh, great beer. You've got great food nearby. Uh, and Fremont's a cool little town to go explore. So I would yeah. highly encourage that too. Yeah. All right. Well, before we move on to talking Illinois, we want to take a quick moment to talk to you about our very special show partner, the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. Longtime listeners of the show know Wannabe Walk-Ons is the official podcast of the NCBG. The Guild is a professional organization that protects the craft brewing industry in Nebraska. The Guild's main focus is to encourage folks of a legal drinking age to drink Nebraska beer through promotion, education, and events. October is Drink Local Nebraska Month. The Guild is challenging Nebraskans to consume nothing but Nebraska-produced beers, hard ciders, and seltzers throughout the month. We are proud of the delicious brews being put out by our industry and the economic and social impact they are making in their communities across the state. Communities? Communities. (laughs) All right. The communities for the game. (laughs) You can visit Nebraska.beer and check out the Guild's new website, which has excellent resources for finding Nebraska craft beer, cider, and seltzer near you. Again, that's Nebraska.beer. You can find everything you need right on there. And and I'm going to use right on as a segue. As we right on, we won. How's that for a segue? Nice. Well done. Nebraska, Illinois. What what a game. What a game. What a game. What's a game? <laughs> what was this game? <laughs> That's a great question. I think that, that it, what was this is probably um, a thing that a lot of Nebraska fans are asking themselves. Like, how, how, am, I, how am I supposed to feel? Okay. Here's how I feel. I just threw my pen down. <laughs> okay, you're here's, ready. Here's you're how I feel. This is this is how I'm coming off of this game. This is how I immediately came off this game. Okay. I would rather be three and three with a twenty to seven win in year one over a conference opponent in a game where I turned the ball over three times twice in the red zone, than be two and four in year three with a twenty to seven loss after turning over the ball. Uh, I counted one, two, three, four, seven times either through a block punt, fumble, interception, muff, kickoff, or turnover on downs. 
I would much rather be where Nebraska is with this win than where Illinois is with this loss three years into their turn with Coach Bielema. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. I feel great. Yeah. If if they're if this if this is how this is the ugliest it gets for a win, fucking cool. Right. That it, game was fun. I <laughs> loved it. Okay. Fun might no, not. Okay. Nope. That game was fun. It I'm was, glad that you had fun with it. It was I chaos. Am. Yep. I was stressed oh, God, the whole time. So... I I I I was sitting there going, it, it's gonna happen. We're gonna we're gonna lose. And then we didn't, and I felt so good. Yeah. I had so much fun. You know what's crazy is that I never felt like even as they were turning the ball over in the red zone, um, with with the fumbles and, and whatnot and missing field goals to to distance themselves, I never felt like they were gonna lose this game. That was honestly never a concern. Um, but it was still very, very, very frustrating because it was an opportunity to um to to get ahead, stay ahead, and then and then end it, like put the nail in the coffin on multiple occasions and they didn't. And that's where my frustration was. I was never um, nervous about it. Now, as frustrating as it was, like I said, I'm, I'm coming back to where you're, you are. It, it's taking me some time. It's taking me some time. Um, I am on Mount to, Olympus. I, like, yeah, I, am, I feel you're the guy, so, you know, the guy in the meme who's shaking the champagne bottle or whatever. And he's yeah, he finishes third place. He's, on, like, yeah, he's the bottom <laughs> of the podium. That's yeah, that's that's where I'm at, man. But that's fine. That's fine. And that's where Nebraska is. And that's um, and that's where I'm like, I'm getting around to to being OK. Like you're, you're right. Like we had a god awful ugly game on the offensive side of the ball. We capitalized early on in the first half to to establish that that lead. Um, our defense really set the tone from the get go. And I thought played another incredible game, um, you know, outside of that that opening drive it was a little shaky and then they gave up the the touchdown before half um but yeah over overall um i don't know it was was just it's if that's as ugly as it gets and you can still win on the road on a short week coming off of a bad beat down um within the conference and keep yourself a in bowl contention and b technically still in contention for your division um there's there's really nothing to be too upset about yeah, I mean, okay, I'm a realist. There's things in that game that you can walk away from and be like, I don't like how that went. But no, and, and yeah, that's yeah. totally that's totally fair and valid, and I do have those feelings. But I also, as someone who is a fan of just... No, yeah. the, <laughs> that's gross. Like, I don't know how you can be a fan of just chaos. I, you, I, you should be an Iowa fan. No. They do this no, all the time. No, no. I don't want to be an <laughs> Iowa fan. I draw the line. I draw the line uh, at... at being happy with eight wins yeah you know this it, is <laughs> here, I, I guess if, if you're if you're if you're bought in to the rebuild and the way that that rule is going to go about rebuilding and you look at where he was at his at temple and baylor and how long it took to get to three wins it took two seasons here you know he said i feel like this is maybe a year two where we are he didn't say maybe i think he said this feels like a year two with this team mm-hmm. which okay but if you only know how to go about things one way uh, I'm, I'm going to say that actually this is still your year one and you're just perfecting your process a little bit more and this I know doesn't look like perfect but if you can go into this kind of game this kind of slop and have enough of whatever your team can throw at the the opponent and you walk out with a win I am not going to be mad and I'm not I'm not giving up on this season I'm not going this season's whatever I still believe that this team needs to work their ass off and they need to get to a bowl game because I think that is crucial for the kind of growth we're going to need yeah. going into the new Big Ten. 
because it is going to be daunting from here on out. There are no, oh, we got a good draw this time with crossover opponents. You just added four teams that could all potentially compete for a national championship in any given year um, with the kind of recruiting they do, coaching they have, and the kind of resources they have in the NIL and, and transfer portal world. Like, we, we just made things a hell of a lot harder for every team in the Big Ten. Um, and so I think a bowl game is necessary. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm almost encouraged when I see a game like that. And when you hear things that Rule said, like, hey, um, if you guys love AG, and his, and his, if you love Anthony Grant, go out defense and prove how much you love him by winning this game for him. Yeah. Like, go out there and show what he did didn't make a, a damn bit of difference this game. In the long run, it will. But this game, it didn't. Like, there's so much good. And I, I just, I'm not going to look past it because I haven't had a whole lot of it lately. Yeah. You know? I, yeah, no, I feel you there. And, I, and you know, watching Rule's press conference afterwards, that did help kind of soothe some things over too because he did take, um, I thought, a really great view of, of the game on the whole. Like, he's in the same boat. Like, yeah, this was ugly, but we pulled off. You guys know we won, right? He's like, we, yeah, he's like, we won. And... um. And he talked about, you know, I think there was a question asked about whether or not he was worried about something or another. And he, and he instantly said, no, like, I know how this goes. I know my process. I know it works. Um, and he knows his players are bought in. And you and you are seeing that. Like, um, you, you're seeing a team that, God, if we'd played like that, if we played like that the first week, the second week, we would have gotten a loss, right? In this year alone, um, you know, not even thinking back to what it would have been last year. Um, and we've, we've talked about, um, you know, this program as a whole, like, of like how you, how you build a program and going from, you know, losing big to losing close to winning close to winning big, blah, blah, blah. Like, which I think is, I think that's the wrong way to, I think that's the, those are the wrong words to use. Yeah. I don't think that winning, winning close implies that you're winning like one score games. Um, I think winning ugly is a better way to put it. That's a great way. And I think that's where we are right now. Is that we're in, we're and we're straddling that line. We're losing ugly and we're winning ugly because we're doing ugly things. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're doing enough on the defensive side of the ball to keep ourselves in it throughout. And then on the offense, we're doing things that are either capitalizing on the other team's mistakes, which you need to do to win, or creating our own mistakes and creating our own headaches, and then you know handing the ball back to the defense and and asking for their help again. And so it's it creates that very ugly win which is a close win this was a I think it was a close win despite it being a two-score game throughout most of the game um and so yeah so I, I think that's where we stand as a program and and I'm I'm okay with that I'm okay with that because again we're in year one and because I still do believe that this this three-year process is very much on track so yeah I'm yeah I'm fine with it, it but when you look at, when you start to like really break down this game, nah, I don't want to. <laughs> it gets it does get ugly. It does. Uh, it was ugly, it, but I I just guys I had so much fun. Like I I I I don't know. Maybe I'm a glutton for punishment at this point. Maybe it's it's I just enjoy like the the kind of the here we go again. Let's see how this one. Let's see how this. Do you one, say you enjoy that? Well, I mean, like <laughs> it's. It, it, it's the same, oh, but no. it's different this yeah. time, right? Like this one was a different, here we go again. It's like things are, but then like Illinois was here we go again. And, and it was like, you can keep doing this. Like, <laughs> does nobody, do we not know something about who wins this game? Like, you yeah, know? It, w- it did create for a very wonky effect. And I imagine from an outsider's perspective, it was either like 
you it was like god this is beautiful ugly chaos or like this is unwatchable football like this is true big 10 west do we need to do a, a wellness check upstairs <laughs> i don't know if you could that was the loudest that. That i think that loud. got picked up on mike i don't know what yeah. my kids did um do I live report that? Like, no one's screaming. All right. You're, no, there's an, there's an adult up there. I mean, but that sounded like a gunshot. <laughs> that like, was loud. I'm sure, I'm sure my youngest child was just throwing something. He's, he likes to, like, he, he'll go, watch this, and then he'll throw an action figure as hard as he can somewhere. Yeah, or like a brick up against your TV. Yeah. <laughs> watch this, and he pulls out a 9 millimeter. and we're like, where'd you get yeah. that? <laughs> um, so, the offense. Okay. Let's, let's start there. Let's talk about the offense. Um. I continue to be impressed by the physicality of Nebraska's wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the things that week one, we saw that immediately against uh, Minnesota and how they factor into the run game. They have continued to be aggressive. They have continued to fight hard for blocks. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that when when Rule's talking about getting freshmen like Malachi Coleman into the game, he's not so much worried about can they go out and make plays as receivers, catch the ball. I think he's more worried about can they fit into the block and the run scheme uh, and you saw on, uh, I think that run you were talking about to Billy Kemp, that Malachi was like fighting for, a, he was knocked down to the ground and he continued to fight through a block. And it's just that kind of effort and aggression and buy-in to the to the run game that I'm sure will, one, pay dividends to them in the future as NFL receivers. Uh, but also just that's how you win games is by being more physical than the other guy and beating down that defense. And, and so, you know, there's plenty, there's going to be plenty to talk about negative wise in, in the way that this offense operated and, and some of the mistakes they made, but just right out of the gate, the physicality of those wide receivers um, is kind of reshaping what it means to be a wide receiver at Nebraska when the past, I don't know, four or five seasons, it was all about being speed uh, and just being that, that over the top guy that could just take the lid off of a defense. Now it's, you got to be able to do that, but you got to be stronger than the defense that you're playing against. Yeah. And one and, and rule, recruits speed right like the, he, he's looking just for these certain physical aspects in his receivers and speed is a big part of that um but i think his idea then with development is we can develop you into being that you know that dog that guy that's gonna fight that's gonna that's gonna block downfield that's gonna help establish the run um they they can put the fight in them um we saw we saw them they had to dig deep into their receiver room this this game um, with the Washington injury, you hope that that's not something that's um, too serious. Uh, but he even Washington, he got injured blocking thirty yards downfield. Like, I mean, he he ran a, a, a decoy route, but then he he locked up with his guy um, on a on a run play. And so yeah, so you're seeing that that tenacity and that fight um, in this room, uh, you know, coming through. And I, yeah, that's a that's a good point. Um, I think you're seeing the same thing with the the tight ends. They're asked to come in and block a lot. They they come into motion, um, and they're picking up defensive linemen. Right? They're they're letting their their guards pass off defensive linemen onto the tight ends so that the the guards can get upfield and get to that next level defender. Um, and when they do that, when they get a hat on a hat and they they succeed, the you know running backs are ripping off 10, 12 yard runs. So, um, yeah. So I, I saw a lot of that in this game as well, which I was really happy with. I thought um, I thought we would have better success running the ball, like just churning out yardage um, because of because of Illinois' defense not um, not stacking up well, not not doing well against the run this year. But they really sold out on the run. They were putting eight guys in the box on almost every single play. 
the only time that they really opened it up for us was on passing downs, like obvious yeah. passing downs. And so, um, so yeah, we ground, we, we grinded out what 158 yards on, on 49 carries. Um, and, and, and a game that was really windy conditions where they were able to, again, just sell out on the run yeah. um, and stop us. And so, yeah, I thought we did pretty good in that, that department as well. Um, I think, I think Harburg continues to just kind of grow and develop. He's, um, he's not in a, he's, he's in a tough spot in terms of, of his pass protection, in terms of the depth of the wide receiver room, in terms of, you know, injuries building up in the running back room. Um, he's, he has some series with, with just some head scratching throws. Um, but he does a lot of other stuff with his legs. He, he's made some nice throws, even throwing into the wind. Um, where it's like, okay, like this guy can continue to help us win these sorts of games and and he might be the right guy for the, for the position moving forward. Um, so there's a lot of encouraging things I yeah. think on this offense. And I want to talk about more of them. Yeah. Let's, okay. What else you got? <laughs> yeah. So I just want to jump off of a couple of things that you said, you know, um, you, we'll just go last to first and, and, uh, with Heinrich, I thought that his deep ball was starting to look a lot better, mm-hmm. um, in previous games, um, that first shot to, to have that kind of trust in Harburg's arm. Uh, in windy conditions to throw the ball downfield from your own end zone, from your own end zone, uh, and then just to hit Marcus Washington on that back shoulder, that comeback ball uh, was beautifully drawn up. I mean that that took courage, that took um, some some cojones to mm-hmm. to not yeah. only call it uh, but to execute. And Nebraska did that flawlessly on that play. And and I thought, okay, I I like how this game has started. Yeah. Right. This game starts with um, well, I'm sure we'll talk about it more with the defense, but that defensive stop on. Uh, you know, third and goal from the one, fourth and goal from the half uh, to be able to put that stop there and then for the offense to go out false start (laughs) um, on a quarterback sneak, which put them at the exact same mark because otherwise, you know, you can't put the ball any closer to the end zone. Um, But then just to to get a little room to work and to take a deep shot. And, I mean, that really set the tone for um, the kind of aggression that uh, this offense is going to play with. And, one of the things that I um, wrote down is kind of like my overall thought is that um, Matt Rule doesn't give a shit what year they are in in his rebuild. And I think this is part of his success is he he goes, OK, it's year one and that's great. We're not going to we're, we're going to play the game that we want to play in year three, four, five. We're going to do it year one. So you better fucking figure out how to win. You better figure out how this works. Um, because we're not going to take it easy on you just because we're all getting to know each other. Um, and that's one of the things that I think like Ty Robinson spoke to where he's like, when guys are in this system for three years, it's going to be amazing what they're at because no one's being talked down to. No one's being treated like this is a year one. He just knows, Hey, I'm going to be very hard on this team in practice. We're going to be physical. We're going to call the plays that we want to be able to call in this situation. And if you execute them, great. If you don't, you're going to learn how to do it. And, and that's one of those plays that, that, you know, I guess the third play from scrimmage then uh, with the taking the penalty into account uh, where they show that, where they're like, this is the, the play that we're going to run and we're going to call in year three when we're rolling through uh, and we're the team to beat. But I'm also going to call it when we're year one and people are going to be like, why the fuck did you call that? Just run the ball out of the end zone, punt, you know, fight yeah. another day. It's like, no, this is how we're going to learn how to win Yeah, is by doing the things that we have to do. And we're going to get practice in them so that by the time that we are expected to be something, we've already been who we are. Yeah. And so I really like that call. 
I like the way that Harburg has developed his arm over the past few games. Um, he still needs to maybe tweak his throw angle um, a little bit if he can, or just be more mindful of what those windows are. And I think they spoke to that, that like Harburg just needs to find his passing lanes a little better yes, because he's got he that sidearm sling and sometimes that is easy to swat down. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, but sometimes it saves him. Like yeah. he, he had the, he had the swatted ball again. Um, and it, I think it was on a third down. He had it swatted and I think they went for it on fourth and he completed it with another one of those like roll out, you know, yep. slide, you know, sidearm bullets. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's again, he's, he's learning. Um, I liked your point about them, you know, running, running the offense that they want to see in year three. Um, cause that is, they, they saw like, Hey, we got one-on-one, we got a one-on-one matchup that we know we can win. Right. Like, yeah. um, this is a, if you're thinking in terms of like faceless opponent and faceless everything, like just as a matchup, um, you take your shot there, right? Like regardless of who your quarterback is, regardless of, of who you're, who's on your offensive line, um, statistically that's a great shot to take um and they were able to complete it and i think that that puts a lot of um confidence in in harburg going forward um saying that they trust him the confidence in in the line to say hey we we know that you can hold up um give our our guy time to get down to beat his man on the side and, and get that pass off so um those things do pay bigger dividends than just 30 yards on that play yeah um it's just it, they they pay off down the line and so we'll start to see that, and I, and I think that um, you know the double, it's a double-edged sword because we saw the the end of the second half where it's twenty to seven, seventeen or to seventeen seven. to seven, yeah, and and Harburg had those three throws, and any three of them could have been intercepted, yeah, and 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 it's like you guys could just you could run the ball, force Illinois to decide if they want to burn their timeouts. Um, you know, pick and choose better throws, whatever. I don't any play play any differently, um, but they were being aggressive. They were trying to move the ball. They were trying to respond to Illinois' touchdown, trying to be the attacking team, um, despite the fact they're throwing into the wind, moving into the wind. The, the a, a field goal kick into the wind would have been difficult. Like it's, it was a very aggressive approach um, that I think that, that they're trying to embrace and trying to instill in their players, um, which again it. it it'll come back, you know, years down the line um, and, we'll, and we'll recognize it and, and it'll hopefully be a lot better. Yeah, so one of my questions I wrote in my section that I, I have in my notes called questions for Drew was those three passes to end the first half, love, hate, or indifferent? Hated at the time. I have been able... Did I break you? Did it, no, no, no. I, I, I really did look and think about this a lot um, <laughs> during and, and after and, and in the rewatch and... Um, and I think that's what it is. It's that's it's it's that's, the that's reason how I, I'm yeah. great with that call because Sat's going. Hey, there might come another game where this this is the the difference in the game. Yeah, maybe it's yeah. The next time it's not seventeen to seven. The next time it's right before the end of the game, and we we have a chance to march down and 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 kick the game winning field goal. Exactly. Um, or maybe that touchdown that our defense just gave up put them up by a point or two or three or whatever, and we need to move the ball in our two minute offense. Um, and, and we've got the clock working against it. We've got elements working against us. We've got, um, you know, injuries stacking up, like you, all this adversity. Um, here's an opportunity to practice in, in, in a, in a real game situation, um, with some stakes, you know, something at stake, something's on the line and, and let's see what you guys are made of. Let's see what you guys can do. 
And so, um, you know, as, as I think as fans, like we're so conditioned to thinking of everything in terms of like wins and losses and, and, um, and like what, like everything matters here and now, like right now, this is, this game is what matters. But I think Satterfield and rules approach is that, yeah, this game matters and they want to win. Like that's very evident. They want to win, but they also want to establish this culture and develop these players and do these other things that go so far beyond just a single driver, a single game. Um, and, and that they're willing to do some things that are very um, risky and, and things that we don't normally see um, that are polarizing and that you can argue against. Like, I, I, you, you can definitely make an argument that they could have just, like, run the ball in that situation or chosen some different throws or looked at that first throw that Harburg made and said, look, I mean, we're going to dial it back. Um, you can make that argument, and I, I would... I would be okay with that. Um, but, but yeah, my uh, step back, think about it. What I, my feelings on it now are, I'm actually like, I'm okay with how they handled that. Um, and I, and I think that when you talk about this a lot about how decision-making, um, it's not about the result. Yeah. Yeah. You stab your, yeah. You know, um, it's not about the result. It's about, did it, did I make the right choice in the moment? And, and I think that Satterfield can walk away from that saying like that he made the right choice in that moment despite what the results were. Rule said that they are not focused on the results in the presser after the game. And I went, hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. He famously listens to this podcast. Fam- or he reads the same books that I read. Oh. I mean, it could be that too. Or he, well, or he reads the transcripts of the podcast. That's true. he doesn't yeah. listen. Thinking in Bets. Check that book out. It's yeah. a great book. <laughs> Talks about... Uh, decision quality and being result based. I've mentioned it every. I should get a kickback on that fucking book at this point. Like I, every every person I meet, I tell them my first name and then I tell them or ask if they've read that book. Um, yeah, I mean I'm I'm right there with you. Um, there was a similar sequence where Nebraska threw the ball three times in a row in an earlier game, and um, and it's the same thing. They didn't execute then. They didn't execute this time. So clearly, it's something that they need to work on because they want to be able to be efficient. They want to win. What did they say? Those those four middle minute, eight, four minutes middle before, eight, yep. four minutes after, yep. and, and that's how you win the middle eight. He's and 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 that's the thing is like in that situation, right? Like everything that you you think you know about how a football game should be called says to not not go full bore there, but everything that rule says yeah, outside of particular situations, he's playing to lose. He's, yeah, he's saying we're going to attack those four minutes. We're we're going to win those four minutes. And so when he gets into these game situations, if he were to dial, if he were to take his foot off the gas or like play conservatively there, he is absolutely going against everything that he's been saying. Yeah, all week leading up, he said that this mm-hmm. team against Michigan looked like they were playing not to lose. They weren't playing to win. That the, and and the, and then they practice Sunday after the Michigan game in pads, have a hard practice. It kicks all their asses. And and they understand like how difficult things have to be um, in order to, to to find success. Like you have to grind, you have to fight, you have to play to win, not play to not lose. And that's exactly what those moments call for, right? You you think about that. Think about the upside. Um, the decision making there was: Do we play it safe and go in with our seventeen to seven ten point lead, or? Do we try and put seven more on the board, then get the ball back? Think about think about have that been successful. The the conversation how how different that is, and that's again why you can't be results driven. You have to say, okay, here's the decision we're going to make. Is our decision is to try and further this space, then take advantage of the ball, 
coming out of half, not, oh, you know, well, what happens if we do that? We well, can't think like that. You can't think what happens if we fail. Yeah. Because again, then you're playing to not lose instead of playing to win. It's always got to be about when we execute, when we succeed, when we get this shit done. Yeah. Well, I think, and I think Rule's taken a lot of the pressure of the decision making off of himself in games because he already knows what he wants to do. Um, he already knows, like, okay, if we're going to win the four minutes before the half, here's what we need to do regardless of what's going on. We need, you know, we need to move the ball and score points. And so if it's if you're up by 10 and you just gave up that touchdown and there's, you know, two minute and a half, two minutes, whatever left, like, we're going to we're gonna throw the ball. Like, we're going to go after it. Yeah. Like, he's not going to sit there and waffle and say, well, if we do this, blah, blah, blah. Like, he's not – he's he's going to move forward confidently. And I think, again, I think his players are going to feed off of that. And, and as we get better – um, you know, executing these things, those those things will pay off. Nice. Um, the other players that I wanted to throw out, just real quick, um, mm-hmm. I really liked what I saw from Emmett Johnson. Uh, I, I think he's got a bright future ahead. Obviously, the fumble notwithstanding, um, that seemed like something that he's never going to do again. The way that he received that <laughs> ball, I think he's going to be. He's gonna, that's going to get cleaned up. And it's going to get cleaned up quick. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I want to just say great job to Alex Bullock. He'd had a rough start to this season, wasn't making catches when needed to, and this kind of felt like a coming out night. He had a huge, a uh, couple huge conversions, uh, yeah. cleaned up his receiving, um, was more confident in his hands. He had a catch that, I don't know how he caught it, where it like fell in between his legs and he rolled around on top of it and he kept that thing Just off, kept the it ground. off the ground. Yeah. Uh, and then another big conversion on a fourth down, I believe. So yep. um, I thought that he he showed why he got promoted to a scholarship player and, and I'm looking forward to him continuing to develop because guys say a lot of great things about him as a route runner. Um, and I just hope his hands continue to catch up on that front because I thought he had a great game. Cool. Um, so defense, they were all right. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, okay. I started listing um, just uh, just players that I thought played well, and I'm just going to run through them real quick before we get into the specifics. But uh, Tommy Hill, John Bullock, Princewell, Uman Malin, uh, Jamari Butler, Nash Hutmacher, Ty Robinson, Nick Henrik, Isaac Gifford, uh, there, there's more to go, um, but the the one guy you got to call out. Okay, I, I was waiting. I was like, I was like, I'm I'm sure you're not gonna forget. I am not gonna forget Phelan Sanford. Sanford. Yeah, okay. What a game! Yeah, to come in as safety uh, for Singleton, who had been playing lights out. Yeah, and I think was really looking to be like the heart and soul of that defense, especially the way that he's climbed from uh, from the community college or from the JUCO ranks to get a, a a black shirt and the single digit number and all that. That's a big gap to fill, and I thought, you know what, Phelan, he's a he's a great gunner on special teams. The guy is a freak on the field when he's on the field, you know, in the third, fourth strings. He's always moving around quick. quick. But when he's in that starting role, how is he going to respond? And his answer is he runs around even faster. <laughs> he hits people even harder. He puts the hat on the ball and pops it out for turnovers. You see him trying to punch the ball out. He's running stride for stride with these guys. Like, what a game. What a stud. Um, and that's that to me is like... That that is Matt Rule's coaching staff and his philosophy in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah, he was a so baller that game. There's so much good to talk about about this defense, but mm-hmm. that that to me is like, yeah, the the goal line stand and all that was amazing. And goodness, if that's not the way to start a game, <laughs> but once that happened, you're like, well, this defense they can't be beat. Like in this game, they're not going to lose. Yeah, they did that. That's the hardest. Like, I I we talk about this. Could you gain a yard? And you think, well, yeah, fuck, I can gain a yard. <laughs> they couldn't gain a fucking like, not a, like an inch, a pubic hair. Like yeah. they couldn't, like they couldn't, <laughs> they could not. And and so that's amazing. And and 
it was it was such a fun thing. And like once your mind got set where it's like, okay, if the defense is on the field, you can take a deep breath and exhale because they're going to take care of business. Yeah. And that's what I was saying when I was like, I, don't, I never felt like this game was, we were going to lose. Like regardless of what, no matter like how many times the offense failed to convert or, or coughed it up. Like I never, I was never worried about the defense um, after that first drive. And that, and that too plays into why some of Satterfield's play calling, like don't get so worked up about it when there's a game where the defense is in so control. Yeah. That's complimentary football, right? Yeah, and they, and and rules said we're if we're inside the fifty, we're gonna go for it on we're fourth down. Go. Like they do, they're so fucking confident in this defense from that coaching side that they 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 have changed how they're approaching an entire game, an entire half of the field for their offense. And so, yeah, so the, I mean, which is just radical. Um, it's it's incredible. I did the same thing as you, by the way. I listed, I just listed names on defense and like pretty much all. I mean, all the ones that you said I had on there. There's more. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Uh, Makai Bayer had a had a really great great play. game. Um, but yeah, Sanford was a dude, and he and he on that on that uh for opening drive had a tackle against Williams that's that saved a touchdown. Um, where he just shed his blocker, like he had a tight end that was trying to tried to block him, and he just fucking threw, threw like threw the guy off of him, like went around and was like fuck that, like and and took Williams out, and that and that um, saved the touchdown, and it allowed allowed for us to get to that that goal line stand. Um, Riley Van Poppel was on the line a lot. He was in on the the goal line stand for the third and fourth down, um, which I thought was it was interesting. I was looking to see who else was out there. Chief Porters was out there. MJ Sherman. Um, Pretty much everybody else we listed, Jamari and Prince Willen. Um, just seeing who they put out there, though, in that situation, um, you know, with the touchdown on the line and, and, and the, the, the tone of the game on the line, um, to see Van Poppel out there as a true freshman, I thought I th- that's nuts. very telling. Um, again, confidence in a freshman, confidence in, in the depth of your defense as a whole and who you're willing to rotate in. Um, it's, it, it is pretty incredible. Um, one of the funniest things I think on of like stats for the night, which I think is just great, is that the Illinois had twenty three yards rushing on that opening drive and they finished with twenty one yards yeah, total. I love, it. I love it. I love it so much. Um and I know that that college they include sack sack totals in that. So you gotta yeah. you gotta you know, you take our rushing stats with a grain of salt, but we had what, three I think three sacks on the on the uh game. Um so it wasn't like not like we're attacking on like nine sacks of negative yardage there. Um, defense allowed Illinois to go one of four on fourth downs. And so, um, you know, buckling up when they had to. And, and um, I think half of their drives ended in three and outs. Um, just they, they gave our offense a lot of opportunities. I, I put this down. I think field position goes both ways. You know, it's an offensive thing and a defensive thing. Um, but we can touch on it here. Nebraska started at their own 32 on average in the first half, put up 17 points. Um, do you know where, do you know what their average field position was in the second half? Uh, Illinois four. <laughs> That's close. That's close. You're on the right side of the field. Yeah. It was, it was the Illinois 49. Yeah. On average they had, and they put up three th- points. Yep. And they put up three points. <laughs> They had three drives. It's so bad. It's bad. That's where it's like, are you glass half full or glass half empty as a fan? They had three drives start inside the Illinois 30. And at, and they and then one at midfield. And then a couple 
uh, where they just took it at their own 20 or whatever, and they put up three points. Um, that's that's the only part of this game that I walk away with uneasy, right? Like the 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 turnovers, that shit can get cleaned up, but the fact that you're not... So, and so like there's some confidence there too where it's like that stuff gets cleaned up and we get points out of that situation, either a field another field goal attempt... Uh, a touchdown inevitably the way that they're running the ball and stuff like that and so like you 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 feel uneasy maybe for the rest of the season but you know that that stuff's not going to continue under this staff right but that that appears to be kind of like a little bugaboo that keeps creeping in and at this point with the kind of turnovers that are taking place I wouldn't be surprised moving forward if Jeff Sims makes a return because it's like well if we're winning games with this kind of turnover frenzy Let's get back to our guy who was QB one, who might have a different upside. Let's let's continue to turn the ball over and live like this. No, I don't. No, I, I don't, don't. Yeah, no, I. You know, know what I mean? Like I, I think that saying. now now you're looking at it as a well, you're starting. We're starting to see that same stuff creep in, and you can't put everything on the quarterback at that point. Yeah, you know. So I I think there might be a return to Jeff Sims because as we get deeper in the season, it might not be the worst thing to get Heinrich some rest. We might start seeing some dual quarterback play um, as Jeff Sims maybe gets back to a full hundred percent. Um, I don't think it's the craziest thing to think that like there might be some special packages before we see maybe a shift back. Yeah, I'm st- I, st- I, d- I don't know where that's at. If I had to guess right now, I think that Harburg keeps the job 100 percent because he's he's he has started to I mean, he's got the Fedoni relationship. He's he's got Kemp going. Um, he, he connects with Bullock. Brought uh, Ty Han had a great catch. Who, you know, like he's he is, and he developed the deep ball like we, you talked about earlier with you know with Washington. Um, like I feel like he has done a lot more to get pass catchers involved. I don't know that he's that much worse of a of a passer than Sims. Maybe he's got less potential, um, but he's continued to like win on yeah, the whole. No, and I, so I don't know how you I don't know how you like. Hey, thanks for thanks for keeping the seat warm. Now we're gonna give it back to Sims. Like I don't, I don't know if they do that. That's, you know what I mean? I mean that's fair. That's fair to to but, say, and I and I think that those are all valid points. I I just think that the 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 upside to Sims with maybe now that the passing game is up and running, the upsides with him in that passing game as a passer and his running ability, I think that it it does have an added level. Um, and I think that there's maybe some competition coming up as well where you can get him back. I don't know that you lose the starting spot, but I also don't think that it's going to just be the Harburg show because I think that they need to know what they have in Sims now that maybe those first few games are out of the way and he's had a season to kind of get back in stride and, and have some more practice under his belt. Mm. I don't know how this conversation, I, I, fucked up this defensive conversation by bringing up this <laughs> this piece no that's fine because we were talking about the we were talking about field position i said it, it straddles both so it's you were bound to we we're bound yeah to go off. i i just feel it's like okay. when you look at the turnovers that took place um i mean take take the the fumble snaps that sims had early in the season take those out of the equation the other turnovers that took place you can't 100 percent put on his shoulders and so I, I, I just wonder if, if there's going to be like a, hey, this was our QB1. You were filling in while he wasn't doing well uh, as far as his injury goes. And now that he's back to 100% health, he is our QB1. Yeah. Um, and then maybe there's going to be a competition in the offseason 
or maybe there's going to be a competition throughout the rest of the season where if this guy practiced better this week, he's going to get the nod. So I, I don't know. I don't know how this staff handles a situation like that because at Temple and at Baylor, he, he had his quarterback both times. Right. And so now he's in a situation where he's got a guy who's who's winning. Um, but it's, it's again, you mentioned it, it's ugly. So is ugly, are we, are we fine with ugly and we're going to keep rolling with the guy who has the hot hand? Or do we go back to who we say we are, which is it's an open competition every week. Everyone has a chance to earn their spot. You know, he hasn't like outright come out and said Harburg is the guy. Mm-hmm. One, it's weird because they they really are like almost interchangeable at this point. Like Harburg's not like the, our defense is really what won us the game. Totally right. Yep. Like like you know, I mean Harburg did some things, but he did things that like I feel very sure that Sims could have done just the same. Um, and so it's really hard to differentiate the two. Um, the the only difference is like when Sims was playing, he turned the ball ball over and we lost, and in with Harburg, it's like he does turn the ball over or he, there are critical breakdowns on offense, but we happen to win. And so, it's yeah. And so I, and <laughs> Harburg's, Harburg's turnover was a punt basically. <laughs> and the other two, I mean, AG fumbled the ball, yeah. not Harburg's fault. And the handoff, I mean, was right where it needed to be. And Johnson's arms weren't set the way they should have been set to receive the ball. So it's yeah. like, yeah, Harburg had one turnover that was really, on him mm-hmm. uh he did have a uh, a bobbled snap that yeah. he, that he learned he fell on top of right away and was like live to fight another down yep uh, and he's had but he's had some throws too where it's like man like those are like 50 50 like they easily could have been there were there was the one interception and then there were four more last last game that could have been and yeah. against a, a second like against illinois secondary last year you probably have two or three more interceptions easily. in that game yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah so but you know like that's back. not back, that's not <laughs> That's not that's not our problem to sort out. And I'm no. honestly like I'm I'm pretty far past the the quarterback battle debate. Like yeah. I, it is it's not it was in, it was very interesting and intriguing, but now it's like okay, like I, I if they ride with Harburg, I have 100% am on board. If they go back to Jeff Sims, I am also 100% on board. Like I understand like you this is this was your guy. And if you if you bring him back, what you're saying is we held him out cuz he was injured. Yeah. We still trust him to be our guy, and so we're putting him back in now that he's healthy. So how short is your leash for Jeff Sims? Let's say he goes out and he throws two interceptions or he fumbles the ball twice. Are you going to be calling for Harburg to go back in? I think I think if Jeff Sims makes – I think if he makes like a – it almost would be in context. Like if, let's, let's say they, they start off on like their 20 and he, and he fumbles and he gives the ball to the other team and they score – I, th- I think that's where you bench like where it's like your turnovers are costing us too sure. too much and we have this other guy who we know we can win with we're gonna go with that guy like at that point because then at that point you can say like look like we had those two games where you had the turnover issues and we lost but we also understand there's a lot of other things that played into that you got hurt Harburg came in um yada 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 we're gonna give you the reins back because we said you're QB1 Here's your opportunity. You need to do what you need to do not to give it up this time. And so I don't know how like the length of the leash, but I do know that if he ends up costing you in a critical way, you you I think you bench him before that game gets out of hand. You're handing it over to Harburg where there's a chance to say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna lean on our defense, just go in and operate the offense and let's like let's just keep this thing close. So you're not you're not gonna put Harburg out there with the bases loaded in the, you know. In the bottom of the ninth. 
No, he's not a Hail Mary guy. He's a he's a You're going to do it when like there's a guy a runner on first or a runner on second. Yes, tying be, run at the plate. Yeah. Yeah, because we to use baseball as an analogy. That was a good job. Yeah, thank you. Nice. Yeah. Um yeah, I think he's a guy that that you know you can rely on in in a situation, but you need to you need to not like lean on him as a last second guy. Like let him carry this this team because you know he that there's that there's going to be hiccups along the way yeah. like he's not going to just like come in and like lead a two two minute you know miracle win at the end um but he can he can extend a game and, and create a, a competitive game um as long as he has that that chance to like be complimentary with his defense nice um i have two more things that i want to talk about defensively okay one is um at the end of the game the announcer said that gifford should have been called for pass interference uh, on that fourth and two, uh, where he knocked the ball away, I think that was bullshit. Really? I do. I think that he uh, was making a fair play at the ball. Okay. He had a little bit of a hand on the back, but not enough to where I'd be like, it wasn't turning the the guy around. He got in front of the ball and he made a hit, and I thought that was a fair bang bang play. Okay. So those announcers were wrong, um, <laughs> and I just wanted to throw that out there. And the then rallying hard against announcers on this episode. I I. I haven't changed my stance. <laughs> this you are is, consistent. This is this is where I live, man. This is my camp. Um, and then uh, on the touchdown that Illinois scored, and you know which one I'm talking about because they only had one. Um, <laughs> I thought there was holding on the left side of the line. Oh yeah, and yep. I thought that there was offensive pass interference uh, mm. on Newsom. Uh, he was held. He was held. Um, and so uh, technically, I don't. I don't acknowledge that touchdown. Uh, I don't okay. have to. <laughs> Nobody's going to be able to make me. And so Nebraska won um, 35 to nothing. <laughs> sure. Let's make it up. Doesn't matter because it's a win. Yeah. The 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 last play of the game, it was it was bang, bang, like you said. And so when I watched it, I was it was kind of like, you were ready for woof. it. Yeah. Like I was like, well, we got away with that. Um, I, and when I said I rewatched the game, I did rewatch the game. I did not watch the back half of the fourth quarter. I was like, all right, I got everything I needed. You know, I was like, I know what goes on from here. It gets, it gets back and forth sloppiness, blah, blah, blah. The so best part I of the game? Yeah, you were like, I'm going to skip was this not, part. <laughs> the not the best. Um, so I didn't rewatch that play, but I, but my initial reaction was, and on the replays was like, Oof. like they could have called that, and, and I think that would have been yeah. fine. It would have been such a little pissy call it no it, 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 that to me if anything the the no call was a makeup call for pulling the guy off the pile who got called on I, oh that, yeah like that, that was little like that oh my on god like was garbage that is so that's such a don't like get off our running back yeah like, get off of him just get off it's unsportsmanlike yep. to lay on a guy yeah you right. know i do that i go to jail like <laughs> So um, those are my those are my two kind of specifics on defense where I was like both of the things yeah. that I know. yeah I didn't think about I didn't think about offensive pass interference on the touchdown but I did think like that ball was thrown absolutely perfectly it was a beautifully it was thrown a great ball. catch with you know one hand you know catch. why he only had one hand because the other one it? was because he was holding <laughs> Newsom with the other one oh man but that was yeah that was a uh, that was by the way that was the the longest um, play that Nebraska defense has given up all year. Yeah, because they were held. And it was only and the third, pass interference. Yeah, only the third yard, uh, forty yard play. So special teams. Special teams are special. They they, man, was they that had, some that was some fucky special teams. <laughs> like that, that was, was that was weird all around. But that was the wind playing into a lot of it. Um, starting with our guys, I thought Alvano did fine. You know, all yeah. things considered, like you know, he's two or three. He did have that one miss, but it was the the, the snap was bobbled by the holder, and so. 
I don't know how he normally likes his uh, likes his balls held, but uh, I don't think that the that that one was was set up proper, and and so you know he pushed that one. But you could see after after his first field goal make, I don't know if you saw the little cut uh, when to him. he like punched the around yeah. like <laughs> that kid was absolutely psyched up, which is exactly what you like to see. Um, you know, you like to see that in, from a fan, like yeah, yeah, cool, like my kicker, we're getting his confidence yeah. back, but just um again human element like this is a this is a young kid who came in um as a freshman and 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 in a long history of nebraska kickers um we're in a little bit of a slump here and so like i imagine you know that there's a lot of weight on his shoulders and, and he probably has very very high expectations for himself um not the, the start to his career that he wanted and so just again rules sticking with him and saying hey we like we're trusting in you we're gonna let you ride out the lows and and then getting to see him um ride a high on there was really cool um so very excited about that uh Bushini I think punted into the wind like every time and uh, he was like, great I thought he I thought he had a great game on the on the punt game yeah he did he did fine it was um he never he never he, there was no punt returns right like they, they right. never gave up a return which is which is great um, he put one of them inside of the 20. Um, so that was good. Doot, doot, doot. What else? Uh, uh, there was a, I wrote in my notes, love a good muff. <laughs> <laughs> Got a couple of them in this one. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah. Illinois side, they, God, they looked like dog shit on the kick returns. They, like, they, they looked like what is wind. Wow. <laughs> the fact that they, that both their returners were so far deep on that first one, like was definitely head scratching and they muffed it they it cost him a touchdown and then to do it again like they moved up by like five yards and then yeah. they and then all three like all three of those uh returners involved like they couldn't communicate it like how do you not how do you not take the time to like really like hey this fuck up just cost us seven points yeah don't let it happen again and then they just let it happen then they, just, then they went out there and said don't tell me what to do it was it was so Nebraska special teams 2022-esque. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. Um, definitely on that on that second uh, kickoff that got caught in the wind, it was a uh, Seagulls from uh, Finding Nemo. It was the mine, mine, oh. mine. It was like three guys <laughs> yeah. converged on it. And one guy called for it, called the 89. He did the fair catch. Fair caught it. And then the other two guys were like. His job was to get the, get out of the way. Yeah. Um, but their job was to. Also get out of the way when someone's calling a fair catch and trying to catch yeah, the ball. Yeah, oh, it was so it was so sloppy. Um, but. We we got very lucky on one as well when uh, when our guy was blocked into the punt. That could oh, have yes. also been a big turning point in the game. Yep. Um, uh, but man, when that replay came, when when Nebraska got four replay calls and they all went they in went favor of Nebraska, favor. Yeah. it was like they were all clearly in our favor too. Because I remember the commentators made this thing like, "Well, Nebraska got all the full, all the calls in their favor." It was like you make it sound like we're cheating. Yeah. Um, and they clarified. They're like, "It was the right call," and it was. They made the right yeah. call on all those. So yeah, good thing. Good thing Illinois was like giving our guy a little little hug there, a little yeah. arm around the back. Okay, are you ready? can we talk about my favorite special teams moment though? Which was the block punt? Was it the block? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. So first off, they started talking about how this guy's thirty years old. And they're like, <laughs> "This man is is a senior citizen, and yeah. he's back here to kick a punt." Yep. Did he tuck it to run? No. No. So okay. So are you sure? I'm positive he did not. There's no way. He, I, I I think he was gonna Aussie. I think he was gonna roll out. He was gonna do the old Aussie rollout, and okay. then and Kobe Bretts saw <laughs> saw saw that motion. 
and just went around the shield. Like he just beat his blocker. Yeah. Um, and went around, and that's when I think the punter was like, "Oh fuck!" Like there's a dude that's like like right here. So then he tucked it, and then he tried to 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 get the kick off. Because it was a Gunnarsson was there. very clear, high and tight tuck where he was like, "I think I can make this." I think I got twenty four yards or something. <laughs> like I was I, like, I'll watch, I'll, I'll rewatch re- it, assuming that's what he was doing to see if I see it. it but to looks, me, he, when I watched it, I, I watched it a few times, and I was just like, okay, like he's doing the Aussie rollout. I, it definitely looked like an Aussie rollout. It was just the ball position and where he was holding the ball looked like they were going to try something fancy and yeah. to be so deep in their own territory. Now I, I'm sure that. Um, it was probably one of those things. My guess is, out of the corner of his eye, he thought he saw someone coming at him quicker than he did. We, no, the Kobe was there. They like, were there. He, he was fucked. He was fucked. Yeah. He had at that point. He had to tuck it and run it and get at, like get oh back in and away from yeah getting lit up. I just loved it. I loved it, <laughs> it so much. So- Rewatching, I was like, I, I think like three or four times. I was like, did was he was he trying to fake that? Were yeah. They, did they call a fake out of their own end zone? It was. It was so. Again, just so such a glorious meltdown from another team that you just love to yeah. you just love to see it because it's like we've been on this side of that so many times. Yeah. And now and, <sighs> and now we didn't and then we did not convert points. No. On that one. So that was unfortunate. But again, if you're glass half full. Your glass is empty, mine's mine. almost gone. <laughs> mine is. I will I will I will say, um, if if we reversed, let's say we only scored three points in the first half and seventeen in the second half. Yeah, and those seventeen points came off of incredible field position and all these like sloppy mistakes from Illinois. Um, I think when you're looking at this game, you're probably saying, "Well, we're not going to be able to replicate that." Yeah, and we can't count on defense to give us and, and special teams to give us the ball inside the the opponent's thirty three times a game to get points. Um, and so that's where I, I am glass half full. We did the hard work with, with the longer field. Um, our defense and our special teams continued to give us tons of really fucking incredible opportunities. And so even though we did not convert on those things, um, we can clean that up. And we did not rely on those things to win us this game. And nice. so, yeah. So I, I, that all ties into special teams as well, I feel like. Nice. Cool. Well, now we're moving into a bye week. Yeah, we get a chance to breathe, and and the the Nebraska team gets a chance to rest and and keep practicing and take advantage of the the two weeks in between now and Northwestern. Um, yeah, cool. It's kind of where we're sitting, three and three, halfway through the season, which is probably about where most people would have put us. I think I think a lot of people, maybe optimistic, said four and two. They think we take Colorado, um, or maybe even Minnesota, but um, three and three. You've got three winnable games ahead. Um, in the next stretch after after getting rested. Yeah. Um, God, man, like if you're six and three, you're ahead of the schedule in in um, or you know record wise in in terms of your conference record, and you've got a bowl game wrapped up with three games left on your schedule. Like oh that's, my gosh, that's on the table, and that's not so far fetched. I don't, I don't, I honestly, I don't think it happens. I think that there is still enough turmoil. Um. Where two and one is a lot more realistic, and then you need to you need to steal one at the back end. Um, but just the fact that yeah that we're here like this is it feels like it's been a very long way to get to this point. But uh, but you know rule said he felt like this was a year two, and this is probably you know we're so we're so focused on that like one and eleven record that of, of the first year that 
you forget like six and six, like yeah, there's six wins, but there's six losses too. Right. Um, and it's not always pretty, even in year two. And so, yeah, you know, kind of in the midst of that and, uh, it's crazy. We're halfway through the season already. Kind of sad and a little bittersweet. Well, maybe, uh, or the season goes into December. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe we haven't reached the halfway point. So, yeah. um, yeah, but it'll be, I think it'll be nice all around for everybody to, yeah, take a break and, uh, and come back swinging at Northwestern. Cool. Yeah. Well, Drew, I think that does it for this week. We want to thank everyone who tuned into this week's episode. If you have anyone who you think would enjoy a listen, we would truly appreciate your recommendation. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Wannabe Walk-Ons and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Remember to do your part. Drink local beer wherever you are. You can find more information on 505 Brewing by visiting their tap room in Fremont or their website at 505brewing.com. If you have any breweries you would like us to sample on the show, visit wannabewalkons.com to submit your recommendation. Thank you again for listening. Join us next week as we preview the Northwestern game and sample another Nebraska craft beverage. Thanks for listening, and as always, drink Big Red. Drink Big Red. Drink Big Red.